Good evening, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm your Mona and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? As we inch closer to the first Premier League game, we discuss what happened over this past weekend. Yeah, so the showdown at Wembley for the annual Community Shield, which was kind of strange seeing it in, you know, an empty stadium setting. But I mean, thanks to, you know, the, what you get that audio that from EA Sports that voice over type of thing that actually makes it kind of you know exciting again someone said so you can see we actually do miss the you know fans being in the grounds again so we were facing the premier league champions liverpool went in liverpool of course went full strength into this match uh also went in again with a you know very as you and i predicted uh, it was going to be like a 50 50 of seniors and youngsters in the squad uh the squad was martinez Holding, Louise, Tierney, Bellerin, Elneny, Xhaka, Maitland-Niles, Saka, Nketiah and Aubameyang leading the front line. If, if I'm, to be honest with you, you know, the midfield of Elneny and, 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 and Xhaka, you know, I, I'll put my hand up and openly admit when I saw, you know, Elneny with Xhaka in the midfield, I thought, you know, trouble here, problems, we're going to get overrun in the midfield. And I thought Nketiah, you know, up front, you know, I don't think this is a strong enough Arsenal side to yeah. compete with a, a juggernaut Liverpool that, you know, steamrolled in most teams of last season. And I mean, look, we're going to now start discussing the game and, you know, nitpicking and stuff. But one thing I just want to say, like, you know, regarding what you mentioned with El Nini, um, it's almost like a night and day performance to what we lost so of him when he was in the Arsenal shirt to... I mean, look, I've watched now the... the one preseason game that against MK Dons, and with, with regards to the Liverpool game, but he looks like a way more positive player. I mean, of course, it's still early days. You don't know, you know, what Arteta's plans is with him. But it's like you know when when we watched him playing under say Wenger or um, uh, was it Una Emery, he was very you know he would run with the ball and then run more towards our goal instead of kind of driving the team forward, which is something that he always failed to do, and it, it was kind of frustrating us as well. But that being said, onto the game, we will also get to Elneny's performance in this match. So, of course, Liverpool, as you mentioned, they did start like a, a steam train. And, you know, one does notice Arsenal immediately go into the sort of mode that we saw, uh, you know, that saw us see of Liverpool, City and Chelsea at the end of last season. It was almost like a, a type of ploy of frustrate, frustrate, frustrate and then sucker punch. Yeah, I mean, they they absorbed a lot of pressure in the beginning, and I was watching this. I'm like, oh no, you know, it's going to be one of those days because I think Liverpool had a few chances early on, and you like thinking, you know, is Arsenal tired or is Liverpool just like you know that much above us? And you know, it, it was good to see us once again digging in, almost you know, putting our fingers in the grass and just like not 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 um, be cut open and capitulating like we normally do. Because I mean, look. Uh... They, Liverpool did have the, uh, the ball in the goal, which was uh, offside in the seventh minute when Virgil van Dijk glanced in the uh, Robertson uh, cross. But, you know, it was kind of also a warning sign of, you know, be careful. We can't just take, take uh, you know, everything for granted in this game. But that being said, the defence also played a solid line because they were the ones that, you know, set him up, uh, van Dijk up to, to uh, you know, kind of uh, run the line and get caught offside. Then in the 12th minute, almost like totally against the runoff play. Actually, it almost like what we would call a total football type of move. It starts from the goalkeeper. It gets knocked about at the back. Holding in sits. Ballerin free down the right side. 
Pellerin immediately, you know, gets his head up, sees Saka making already the the run. He plays the ball through to Saka. And I mean, this is what you and I have been talking about, Saka. Uh, you know, I think at the end of last season when we did the ratings, we he's, you know, that vision is like he's one or two steps ahead of his opponent or even of the Liverpool squad where he immediately knew Aubameyang was running far side, you know, in an open space with that, because that youngster right back that Liverpool had in, you could see he was kind of switched off at that moment when Saka played that crossfield pass. And I mean, Aubameyang collects the ball, almost like, you know, draws into war, uh, draws that, I forgot, it, Nico Williams, I think his name, and then he cuts inside and he bends a perfect ball pass, Alisson, one or Arsenal. Yeah, what the girl, I mean, my girlfriend was watching the game with me and like she was asking, like, well, what's Arsenal doing? They're playing with fire. And then, you know, previously I probably would have agreed, but I told her, we, we scored a similar goal in this position against City. And lo and behold, that build-up led to a goal against them, against Liverpool. It just shows that the confidence that they're bringing back to the team. I mean, we've seen them through that with Una Emre. And they passed, the, like, you know, they passed against Watford, I remember. They gave the ball straight to Tom Cleverley to score, set up a goal. So it just shows the confidence these guys have on the ball and uh, Arteta and the belief he's installing in these guys. That's the key that you just said, the belief. You can see that confidence looks, you know, way to another level now. Also, and I think this is what you and I were mentioning, could be the last few weeks of the podcast that we've been doing with with why Martinez is getting kind of the nod ahead of of, um, Leno. We... He looks just way more comfortable with the ball at his feet. Like he, he plays almost like a perfect, almost like an infield, um, you know, player's uh, sort of pass. There's always two feet. Players don't have to, you know, really scramble to get the ball, and it, it kind of also takes the pressure off the defense, so they can also, you know, with with comfort and and believe also knock the ball about. And then 18th minute, Arsenal, of course, in this little period where they, I think it was like about seven minutes where they kind of started overrunning Liverpool a bit. And uh, again, Saka tearing down the right side, cuts the ball back. And I mean, for me, Nketiah did strike it perfectly, but I really thought he was going to try to go for it to one of the top corners. Because you can see Alisson was already committed for one of that hard, low drives. But I mean, the, the Brazilian keeper of Liverpool palms the ball away from a corner. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, like... Do you, do you think... And I'm not criticising or, you know, being harsh on Nketiah. Do you think Alaka is it? Or... Aubameyang, or even as they call him, the little chili, I think it is, Saka. Um, do, you, do you think he would have, either one of them would have slotted that away to make it 2-0? I just think they got more of a technique that, you know, what we know of, look, you've played also forward a lot of times in your life, uh, uh, younger and, and even now. So, you know, when you strike a ball like that, you want the ball, when because look, you're already trying to visualise what that keeper could do to make yeah. it. Yes. And you're rather going to, you know, try to strike the ball where it's going to go on the rise, like, you know, where you know it's going to go from low, 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 and then it's going to start picking up, picking up. And yes. So the goalie has just about no chance. Only option then for the goalie is to do one of that awkward, you know, getting the, the palm of the hand up, you know, almost like, you know, a very awkward position to have to claw the ball out. But that being said, it was a, a decent shot, but I mean, I think, he, as you said now, he could have done big, better. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, these chances, you know, and I, I know I'm being a bit harsh, maybe it's a, like, you know, first kind of competitive game that after, you know, a new season. But, I mean, you know, in, in, a, in a tight knife-edge game, I mean, that, you know, it's 2 all up at that stage. And, I mean, you can put, pre- like, relieve pressure of yourself and put pressure on your opposition. Yeah. 
And then, of course, Arsenal becoming also quite a tough task to break down because, you know, something that I picked up and it's going now back, as I said, now that, that matches I mentioned before, that better part of uh, last season, where Arsenal, like especially now with the top teams, you know, that, that are really, that used to kind of blow us away when we tried to go toe-to-toe with them on the pitch. This time, with the way Arteta set this team up, it's almost like, you can take an half position for like you know, two-thirds of the pitch, but if you're going to try to get to our box, we are going to just park, bang, because you can't really say it's parking of the bus, because we do explode when we go forward. Yeah. So it's only like we do sit, sit, and just only like frustrate, frustrate, and whatever, and you can see, the t- uh, you know, when you get people like Salah, not knowing which channel to go, uh, Mane at times, okay, he did break through one of two times, but also kept kind of in the pocket by our defence. And then, of course, you get somebody like, say, Firmino, who used to be the sole destroyer of us at times. And he not, I mean, at times, you didn't even know he was playing. Yeah, we did do well to keep the front, the formidable front three quiet. And it did seem also we were winning the midfield battles as well. Yeah, because, I mean, look, uh, this is now we, we get to El Nene because he was kind of the driving force. And, you know, if he was not uh, breaking down play, and I, I think he did that, Excellently in that in, in this game now, he, he was like you know intercept. I don't know how many intercepts also. I mean I didn't of course count, but numerous times when the Liverpool were trying, you could see Liverpool at the point at one point getting also desperate trying little first intricate ones which he was intercepting. Then they tried that long range passes which he was also getting himself ahead of. And if he was not getting to the ball, Xhaka uh, was dropping off and uh, you know intercepting. So I mean it was fantastic to watch the two of them as a. And uh, it's almost like a, also a new type of pairing set up for us now. Yeah, and, and it's almost like that, you know, I, I thought when Sebeos is not seeing him there, it's almost like you're thinking, ah, oh, you know, it's a big it's a big loss as a whole in there. And I think it adds a different dynamic to the Arsenal team. You know, Sebeos, I mean, you could even sometimes, I uh, thought about the throw in, the like, you know, he made the third person with the, 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 with yeah. the two of them because it just shows that stability and El uh, um, Seemed like his footwork also, you know, he was able to ping passes, he was able to, um, you know, pass back, and he felt confident with him on the ball. Previously, you were like, you know, we were always criticizing him that he's slowing the game down. So, yeah. you know, a lot improvement in his game in a short space of time, and I'm willing to give him opportunity if we can see more of that type of performances. Yeah. So, 58th minute, Mane then forces Martinez into a save. Uh, 10 minutes later, substitute of Liverpool, Minamino, fires a shot at Martin is also from about 25 yards with quite a tame shot, so you know, easy for the goalkeeper to deal with. Uh, as the game then wore on, Arsenal were kind of soaking up the pressure, but you could also see, you know, because uh, this is also that I want a point that I want to make across. Liverpool had like two weeks preseason training, Arsenal had one week. And I mean, for me, you know, uh, uh, you could see that some of the legs of, of the certain players were starting to give in. The, the, the tempo, the, and I mean, Liverpool were just cranking it up every time, that little bit, little bit, little bit. And this is where I have to take off my, my head to not only Arteta, but that squad as well. Because if you think that sort of performance that you saw up to then for a team that's just trained about seven days together, I mean, you know, chains hats off. Because especially in a game of this level of, of intensity, because look, Liverpool did play this game like something that you would see, say, in the Premier League. It was really intense that, you know, at, at one point it was, you know, as we get to that, that uh, goal where Minamino equalised, Liverpool were already up to, I think, over 80% position and Arsenal were just barely clinging on. 
Yeah, you could see that Arsenal were like, you know, starting to tire. And I was like, ah. Oh. Like, I, I, especially when you mentioned about, you know, Manamino getting that equalizer. And for, for, for me, you know, as an Arsenal fan, so many times you've seen Arsenal have victories snapped away from them. It reminded me also of the Michael Owen show when we were one up. And, you know, so late on, they, they, they came to come, you know, take the game away from us. But, you know, it. I think the Arsenal defense also, like, after that goal, almost woke them up, the team as a whole, and it looked like we had the upper hand. Yeah, we were looking at the 86th minute when substitute uh, Willock ended up just glancing ahead of White, and, you know, at, at, <laughs> I'm not sure if I ended up either punching or kicking up <laughs> at home, because I was just thinking, I mean, this was like the glaring opportunity, because, you know, I thought for my... Uh, the way my thinking was, I thought we sort Liverpool out over the 90 minutes. You know, kind of hold it out and, and, and see them off, you know, you know, sneaking it like like we did it at Sheffield United with a 2-1. Because I, I didn't think I even had the stomach, really, for the, the shootout. But, you know, that being said, we ended up going to the shootout. Uh, Arsenal dispatched, you know, five out of five of their penalties with Nelson, Maitland-Niles, Cedric, Luis, and Aubameyang. And then, of course, I think with the fourth penalty of Liverpool, Rian Brewster, he ends up, I don't know what sort of run-up he tried, and then he ends up cracking the ball against the crossbar. But <laughs> Aubameyang, you know, when he set up for the final penalty, for me, where it was already a good omen, when I started seeing Mane putting the, his kit over his head, then I knew this, this is our trophy. And I mean, when he sent Alisson the wrong way, that was it. The trophy was ours. Yeah, this is a good way to start off the season, you know, no matter what happens, you know, we have a, even though most don't, you know, make a big deal of it, we, we, we have a silverware for the season, so it's, you know, onwards and upwards from here, and we'll give the guys a good taste of yes. what it's like to win something. I mean, if you think, I mean, if we not go down the years with, with community shields, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a friendly... But, I mean, if you look at the, so the squads at Man City and Chelsea they used to put out, or even United used to put out, it, it was teams that can really go toe-to-toe and, and uh, it gets played with a sort of intensity of, a, say, a Premier League game. And that's no, like, I agree. Because, you know, uh, I saw many like, Liverpool fans were kind of sore about it. They were first saying, ah, I don't mean anything. But when you see the faces of Salah and Klopp, and then you could see it, it did hurt them and it did mean something for... You know, the whole game over the 90, it, it did mean something to them. Because you can see they're already in that you know, that, that winning mentality that he's drilled into them. And it's almost like you become, you know, also hats off to them because you do become a type of sore loser when you're on that sort of winning run and you just don't want to, you know, let that, 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 that juggernaut type of thing get, uh, get derailed. Yeah, and you could see, you know, they, they were clapping Arsenal afterwards, which I respected. But like, you know, from club because you called the guys back and told them, you know, you wait here and clap for the like, for them. But like you said, also, like, Man City last season, they did themselves fantastic or something with four in it because they won, you know, the all the domestic trophies. So, you know, they, they do pose with that trophy and they did take it on the bus with him as well when they did the tour. So, you know, you, you have to count these trophies. I mean, one thing I, I as we wrap up the, the game now, um, I just love the fact that we seem to have a sort of formula against the top teams now, where in the past, you know, your stomach was kind of turning and churning, and <laughs> you don't know, you know, what to expect, because look at that, if you think of, I'm not saying now the beginning part, but the latter part of Wenger, 
<laughs> he was like trying to go toe to toe with people, and we end up losing like six 0 or six one or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you are getting. I mean, like, there were also certain games where I used to tell you when we messaged each other, then I would say, look, you know, you take this uh, two two nil defeat, and then Wenger will still try to go to, <laughs> and like we already don't have like real firepower. Then we end up running out like say five, like, by five or six, and still getting a player sent off for for interest. Like against Chelsea, it was a key game. We were like, what, 2 0 down to the red card or 3 0, and we still went to chase the game. And then they put us to the sword 6 0. <laughs> was, was it Salah there or something? Weird? Yeah, Salah scored a six goal. <laughs> like, he just came on and he scored. Everybody was having turns to score in that game. Oh, it's, 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 it's amazing how, like, you know, it's almost like Arsenal slowly start. Not, we're not there yet, but you can slowly see something different to what we've been seeing with. The likes of Arsene, at the end of Arsene Wenger's reign. And also, you know, we would say Una Emre reign towards probably the, the latter part of like the last, the last, last season seen before and the season that just passed now. So, I mean, we'll just switch our attention now to the talking points of the podcast. Um, lots happening in the transfer market, whether it's incoming or outgoing. Uh, the, uh, Gabriel is now finally an uh, Arsenal player. I mean, of course, we all knew it by now. It was probably one of the worst kept secrets. But now it's also now being released that he's going to be wearing the number six for Arsenal, you know, in the shades of Tony Adams. Let's just hope he can have that sort of performance. Not like a blunder that I made back in the day when I, when I said about Skilachi <laughs> being like a next Martin Keown and <laughs> blew up in our face. I'm surprised you put that out there, uh, out there for the listeners to hear. I'm actually impressed about it. <laughs> I've been actually holding that against you for what the past 10 years, 11, 9 years actually. So, yeah, um, let's hope he, you know, he waited number six years with pride. I mean, Koshal and he also did it, you know, quite justice, but, uh, you know, ended off in a better way, more, you could say. But, you know, exciting prospect. I haven't seen, you know, much of him playing up until maybe a few highlights here and there. So, you know, does he does he have speed to his game? I think he's... Uh, look, I've only seen most highlights of him because of, of the two young defenders, like, you know, Saliba and him. I've actually seen way more of Saliba. And Saliba is almost like, you know, when you watch somebody... Okay, he doesn't look like it when you look at him, you know, like on, on telly and it. But I mean, he's got almost like this beastly sort of upper body. So, like, you don't even need to, uh, you know, really barge into people. He just stands his ground and you'll see, like, forwards, like, half bouncing off him. And I think with, with uh, Gabriel, I think it's more down also now to, you've got now almost kind of in the same mold. Because I think that's also what attracted Arteta to him. Because he's been also a target for Arteta since he's now uh, been a coach at the club. But I just think he will bring the same. And I think with 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 Luis almost like being the, the center point there of that defense, he's going to, you know, kind of marshal the two. And I, I just hope that also develops, you know, they develop as a, as a group. Because, I mean, they are, the two of them seem to be like, uh, or talked about as the future of Arsenal uh, defense. And I, I just think this is all like a kind of short adventure for David Luiz, where he kind of guides them into... The next level now, while he's therefore still another season with us. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a nice thing for him to see, you know, as he as he goes, you know, as he sees the 
to either the musical his career out and maybe like you know retires eventually but to like you know just maybe watch Arsenal in the future and see those two guys you know if if it is the case running the league and dominating because look the last time we had a group of defenders that were younger that was still when you know when you had the likes of Adams Keon Bowl that were you know people that came from some some came from the academy some were bought at, at, you know kind of cut price at the time and that you know when fees were so uh, meager and and now to find they have a sort of group that or a group of defenders that already look solid they not only cost uh, a, a decent amount but they look like something that could develop into you know really something big because i was asking one friend of mine that that's really into french football and you when i was saying like no that you know what makes him special uh, especially saliba now and they said a lot of people compare him the way his development because they see a lot of that, that same development of uh, Varane. And that's it. Okay. They say that that, that same thing where he, he kind of he looks like he's under the radar as he developed through the uh, through the Clefontaine Academy, and then you you just see him kind of explode on the scene at a young age, and I mean that is the reason that Madrid also snapped uh, Varane up up uh, at a young age when you know when he joined Madrid, and uh, that is what what what. I think that will, uh, Saliba also bring that sort of, you know, really dominant sort of performance. Because look, he wants to boss a defense when he, when he plays. You can also watch when you watch it like that, the highlights packages of him. He, he looks like somebody that, that can really marshal things, you know, get organized as well. And I think that is the way where, if you look at the, the back three, if we're going to keep on with this 3-4-3, three, three, that is where you're going to need that sort of organization at the back. And I mean, one person I also want to give big, big props to. If you think... Kieran Tierney is a natural left-back, and yeah. at times he's been used as a left-sided centre-back. And I mean, he's not doing that bad either, because it allows people like Maitland-Niles to kind of explore other side of his game as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think if you have the, the three that you mentioned now at the back, you can allow Tierney to venture further forward now, and then allow Saka more freedom, Aubameyang more freedom. So it's going to exciting times for an Arsenal fan. And I, I look forward to, you know, seeing what happens next for us. Yeah. So, of course, Arsenal planning also exodus of players. Um, the latest one is, I mean, it, it's not even a rumor anymore. It's now, it looks very much, you know, uh, written in stone. Uh, Torreira will be joining Fiorentina for about £8 million pounds, uh, on loan. And then when the season is done, they will uh, have that. Uh, not, not really, you can't say it's option to buy. I think they, they have to buy him then. For 16 million, so you know it's like a deal of what 24 million. 24 million, yeah. So, not bad. Um, Napoli, I think it, Napoli kind of really in the air with the Okuli Bali thing because look, look, uh, he's looking for a move away from Napoli, and there are many suitors at the moment for him. And what Napoli feel is Socrates has actually been one of the targets to, you know, come in as sort of cover defense for for them. And then of course the real big news is. You know, PSG have offered Arsenal £25 million pounds for uh, Hector Bellerin. Um, I think Arsenal are kind of holding out more close to £40 million. So, I mean, I, I think it could be good business. I mean, it, it would also allow us to have the sort of money that we still need to, you know, go or dip in the market again. But you're also freeing up loads of wages. And I mean, also a big up to, to uh, Mkhitaryan. I mean, we, I know we spoke about it. It was nothing really official, but it is official now where... He's also, uh, you know, uh, kind of paid up his final year of his contract. The club has now torn up the remaining uh, 
period was still going to be bad. So it frees up almost two hundred thousand pounds a week for like with regards to him. So you know that that's again money that can also be spread again throughout the team again. And um, other news I also want to bring out: Arsenal's new coaching staff has also been, uh, you know, uh, introduced to fans. Uh, Sal Bebo, our goalkeeping coach, has of course now left the club. And he's now being replaced by Inaki Kana, who used to be Brentford's uh, coach, but he was also at La Masia with uh, Mikel Arteta. Um, the first year of Chris Morgan, he's been replaced by Jordan Reese. Chris Morgan, that first year of Arsenal, has now gone to Liverpool. Uh, Carlos Cuesta is coming as also one of the head co- uh, uh, second or third coaches there. Uh, he, jo- he joins us from Juventus. And then the final coaching appointment for Arsenal, Miguel Molina, he joins us from Atletico Madrid. Oh, it seems like a lot of Spanish uh, influence coming in. Or, yeah, um, from what I've heard, it's like Arteta's also been keeping tabs on them as coaches. And I think some some years done his badges with and that, but uh, some of them also also like you know by word of mouth that you know they're becoming quite because I mean there's some of them that are quite young that they've joined up as as uh, senior coaches now, especially with Freddie now also gone, and then of course. The transfers in at the moment, the big question is still Thomas Party. Uh, Atletico Madrid still don't want to budge on that 44, $45 million release clause. I still think, you know, we should just bite the bullet and pay and, you know, go for it. Because, look, that is what we also need, that sort of uh, sort of midfielder. And then the other one that, that, that came also out of kind of left field, uh, Felipe Anderson. Yes. Was... A, a $5 million loan offer. Because I think he needs to start, get some sort of form back again. I think, look, from what I did see, look, he played his best football at Lazio, but at, at uh, West Ham, it was, you know, really fits and starts his, his good performance. But I mean, look, I've, oh, oh, we've seen him also play against the top teams in the Premier League, and he really single-handedly destroying some teams. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't for a squad player, I don't think it would be a bad option. Yeah, I, I also think, like, you know, would add something different to the team, but I do think uh, the midfield should be sorted out. I mean, if if we do sell, end up selling Guendouzi and um, you letting Torreira go, I mean, Partey would be a good replacement and Alneni acts almost as a new signing. And then you could have the rotation of Partey, um, Alneni, Xhaka and Ceballos. I mean, you can, you know, whether you want to use him as a three, a two, you know, you have that option and flexibility, especially with so much competition. So I think one more centre mid is a definite key. And, you know, a guy like you said, Felipe Anderson can probably, you know, add something different and also for the home games as well, something um, to look at. But my one question for you, we didn't really go too much detail into it now, is with Hector Bellerin. Would you be happy to, to see him go? Would you take the money or do you think, you know, he still has something, a, bit, a part to play at the club? Look, if we can get up to that, as I said, the 40 million, then I would take, I would take that offer. But I mean, if the offer is 25 million and they're not going to budge anymore, then I mean, it makes no sense, you know, then letting go for it. Because I just think that we're at the stage now, we don't, we don't have somebody like, you know, Sheikh Mansour or Roman Abramovich that can just, you know, drop bags of cash at us or throw bags of cash at us to, to get players. And I think we need to eat out whatever we can from players. Because I just think, look, I, I told you this. A while back, I told, uh, I've mentioned also in the podcast. Um, look, Hector Bellerin, he's always been known for his speed. Um, his distribution is not really the best. I'm not talking of 
you know, when he plays down the, the pitch. But he's, you know, when it comes to the final third, he at times does not know what to do. And I mean, he's somebody that's already, what, 26, 27, or what's, you know, 25. He's um, like, let me just research, yeah, or you can carry on. But I mean, he's not somebody that, that has that sort of, you know, when you look at the mindset of Kieran Tierney, when he's playing at left-back, he knows already what he's going to have to do when he gets to the byline at the, on the side. And you, the same can be said with, with um, Bakayo Saka. And the same can be said when, when Michael Niles is playing on the right side. Or even, you know, Cedric, surprisingly, when he plays, he knows also how to, you know, to 44, 44 yeah. the ball right into the box. And then. So, I still think, I mean, we, I think we can handle losing him because... I, I think besides pace, we need also somebody that can cross the ball into the box. Because it makes no sense. You've got the speed, but when you get past the final, like the, the fullback, when you're in an attacking mode, you can't, you know, really eat the ball in, a, in the dangerous <laughs> in the box. I don't it's know 25, by the way. Yeah, but yeah, you, 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 um, you eat the nail in the head. It just seems like that final third, like, you know, def- yeah. defenders will back off him rather, or, you know, not, not afraid to allow him to get behind because, he, you know, he doesn't. Have that bit of decisiveness that a guy like Saka will have, or that left back is his left back of of Bayern Munich, you know that like he's that what's his name Alphonse or something like that. Alphonse Davis. But I mean, yeah, if, I, if if you look even at at, at uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, he can you know sometimes he knows whether he's going to hit the ball high as a, as a cross, or when he hits the ball just like just about the edge of the six yard box where. You know, when all that bodies are coming across the goalkeeper, you know that ball's going to reach somebody there where they're going to stick a yeah. foot. And that is where I think that that is the sort of thing that he uh, that he lacks. And another thing I was on to mention that I kind of forgot, uh, that Sebayo's loan deal, we're going to get him for another season. Um, I mean, many Arsenal fans are very happy. I mean, I'm more happy as well because he's become also one of my, my favourites at the club. But I just think one of our targets we have to set as a club you know, with this with this season starting next weekend, we really need to start the match. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I still think we need to get more goals and more assists coming from the midfield because when you look at our, you know, the goal difference, our goal difference was shocking because midfielders were, what was it, what did I tell you? Four goals were contributed from midfield. Yeah. And the none of them were really giving that many assists because most of the assists were coming from, Saka and Pepe, and that were, they were more in, uh, you know, attacking players. Or even Aubameyang was chipping in with us. So I just think if we want to have now a solid season, we need everybody to chip in as a unit because, you know, the defenders can't bail us always out with, with uh, you know, odd goals. And you can't put every time so much weight and, and pressure on Aubameyang as well or Lacazette or Nketiah that you need that midfielders also to do there but to get us something in the scoring charts as well because... You'll be surprised how many times when you look at, at various midfields, midfields down the years, how many they do chip in to make a successful season. Yeah, it's, it's kind of almost like Arsenal keep on missing the one without that, like having the one and not the other. I mean, can you imagine a Bamiang now with that Arsenal team with Ramsey, I think, it, and Cazola, all those guys banging in the gold and we were struggling for a world-class forward and now we have that forward line. I mean, you know, it's it's almost like we're always just missing that one person, but hopefully Arteta can solve that. And then another thing that I've been seeing floating a lot around today, actually, is that Alexis Sanchez, you know, a guy who was pushing hard to leave Arsenal, and then 
after one, and now, uh, this is just him saying this, but after one training session, you know, he realized that he made a mistake. He wanted to almost make a U-turn back to Arsenal. What's yeah. your feeling or thoughts towards that? He was like, look, of course, he was driven by money, but I think this is where Arsenal as a club and, and you know, with, with when you get too much, almost like admin, getting their nose stuck into football, uh, you know, on-field business. We also shot ourselves in the foot because when you think, to yourself, at the, you know, at the end of it all, we actually sacrificed a, a guy that that could explode at any point, could carry the team. You know, even if we had these little straps, <clears throat> he was a a player in his prime, and I mean, we ended up sacrificing that to give Özil that three hundred fifty thousand a week, and that was all that he was really asking for. It's just at the end of it all, the way it, like you know, kind of panned out, he ended up getting something like four hundred k at United, which was you know. That, I mean, I don't think even he was really... Like, I mean, yes, money was the thing that drove him there to United, but I still think he... You could see he did love Arsenal, and I, I still think that is where Arsenal, you know, kind of screwed themselves over with, you know, giving Ozil that money. And it's almost like the minute the ink dried on Ozil's contract, you saw a total different sort of player that, that you know, we were really demanding, you know, that you know, that's what the wages would carry. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, you know, imagine an Alexis Sanchez with uh, Aubameyang and even throwing in Nicolas Pepe or Saka with, like, you know, you have a, a devastating forward line who probably could have been up there. But, you know, it's almost like Arsenal's top Chiefs, Chiefs like, you know, a lot of people speak about Gazidis as well. Like, it's almost like there was too stubbornness and they wanted to show who was in control and... You know, they won't look. It doesn't look like they were looking what was best for the fans, but more for you know their pockets or what they seemed was right. Yeah, because look, Gazidis uh, was somebody he, he drank big, but he thought small. You know, like yeah. when, when it yes. came to the you know the nitty gritty of things, he, he was thinking always small. And when you you start giving somebody to say like Wenger, who became almost like power drunk. I wouldn't say power angry. He became power drunk because. It's like everything, he could even veto deals, he could do this, he could do that. And I think that was another thing that, that, that really set us back. And that's why, you know, as much as I appreciate what Wenger did for the club, when I think the last five years uh, that club was run, I, I really think, you know, where they were, uh, used to talk big, both of them used to talk big about, you know, with moving from, from Ivory to the Emirates, you know, the really big things would happen. And it's like, they just left us when, when, Wenger then eventually left or had to half be pushed out. And the minute Saunehi comes in and, 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 and Sven Mislintat, and then Gazidis decides, okay, he's going to jump ship now. So it was like it left us really in the doldrums. And there's certain things, okay, Wenger person does have a still soft spot for him. But I mean, that was almost like the nail in the coffin for, for Gazidis by me. I mean, I would, I mean I'm glad he's almost like somebody else's problem than ours. Yeah, and even here, there's a thing on Van Persie. I know the listeners, if they saw it on Instagram as well, it's like, you know, Van Persie's, you know, he was also, you know, I also don't have much respect for him after the way he did things, but, you know, he, he kind of also blames Gazidis, or he doesn't say it outright, but also Gazidis was a big part, maybe he's also using an excuse, but you know, a big part of, you know, him end up leaving, so... You know, like you said, you know, maybe it's a good thing that Gazidis left and it's no surprise since he's left, it seems, you know, we've been doing things a bit differently and, you know, now we are on the up. And don't forget the infamous Gazidis uh, with his 40 million and one pound for Suarez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, let's not even go there. It just seems like I'm, I'm happy to have the people at the helm. And for me, Edu Gaspar as well is doing a good job. Yeah. So I'm going to end up the end of the podcast now. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back next week to build up the start of the new Premier League season. But as for this weekend, it's just all Euro, Europe Nations League. So I hope you guys enjoy the football. That's on. Bye. Cheers, guys. Have a good one.